Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson. I've got Kurt Mortensen here with me. We're both, uh, we talk about eating way too much on this podcast, but uh, this week after Thanksgiving, I think it got out of hand for both of us completely. Oh, I agree, but that's the wonderful thing about Thanksgiving where the calories don't count, so we think. <laughs> and we've got lots of football, we've got family, we've got fatty foods, we've got sugars, we have everything you could ever want for at least some temporary happiness. Yeah, at the risk of getting some hate mail, I think I got a peek into what it's like to be morbidly obese because the food just kept coming at me and there's nothing I could do about it. I just had to eat it. And just thousands and thousands of calories every day of good food. And I'm thinking, wow, if you do that uh, for a few years, I can see how you'd get there. So I guess bring on the hate mail, huh? <laughs> it's easy to do. And when you see all those pies and you say, well, I'll just have a little of each. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe something's not quite right. We're not doing it every day, but Thanksgiving, it's kind of a free license, kind of fun, a lot of family, good food. And and I love turkey. And for some reason, I've been dub the turkey cooker so it's a lot of stress you know when people come over and you're the person cooking that turkey it's got to be good yeah it's got to be good and i did uh, three racks of ribs on the smoker on saturday so after i woke up out of the turkey coma sometime on <laughs> friday and thought it would be a great idea to have a bunch of ribs on saturday so i spent quite a bit of time on the treadmill today <laughs> So you thought the beef was feeling left out because of all the hype on the turkey. You had to make them feel better. About it. These these were pork spare ribs. Oh, so. pork. Oh, so the, the pork was feeling left out. And then, of course, you probably had your ribeye on Sunday, and you balance it all out, and now you're feeling good. Yep, so salads and fish for the next uh, three weeks until Christmas comes, and we do it all again, right, everybody? There we go. <laughs> so at least we'll lose a few pounds, so we'll break even, and then we'll worry about it in January. Yeah, that's your, your approach <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, everybody, we're glad to be back with you. We took a hiatus. We said, you know what? Forget about it last week. Uh, no podcast, but we're back. We're ready to roll with some good information for you today. As I always mention, ad nauseum, you're all sick of me hearing it. Send us your comments. Send us your feedback, your derogatory remarks, your praise to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. And we are on Stitcher, we are on iTunes, on the BlackBerry, uh, whatever you call it, majig thing for podcasts, <laughs> a little rusty, and the Windows Marketplace too, as well as you can just go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com and you can see our brief blog entries there along with the little player to click play and to listen to us if you for some reason are so inclined. So we're back, we've got some good info on a very important topic today. We've glazed over it a few times on previous podcasts, but we have not yet got into it in the depth that we are going to today. And Kurt has a very interesting article. For those of you that are miserable in your marriage, this might tell you why. For those of you that are happy, <laughs> this will tell you why. And for those of you that are thinking about getting married, listen up. Kurt, what do you listen have for us? Up. Well, this was in the journal called Science, and it was titled, uh, Trust Your Gut About Walking Down the Aisle, because that's an emotional thing. You meet someone you love, will it work out? Do you know? Do you don't know? You logically, it makes sense. They're good to you. They're nice to each other, but there might be that gut feeling there. You might 
not quite sure. You might discount it as butterflies. I'm not quite sure. But there was a study done that is really interesting because we talk a lot about that intuition, that gut feeling that up to 95% of persuasion influence involves that feeling, that subconscious trigger. And as we talk about trust, that's the same thing. You meet someone for the first time, within a matter of seconds, you've decided if you've liked them or trust them. And this was done at Florida State University with 135 heterosexual couples. I guess we have to clarify that. And they did it for six months. And they talked to them before their wedding day. And they found that the feelings of brides and grooms talked about before their marriage there was a gut level, this instinct that a lot of them had that they couldn't, some of them couldn't even clarify that there was something up, something wasn't quite right. And the researchers found that people's conscious attitudes or how they felt did not always reflect their gut level feelings about the marriage. And it's those gut level feelings, not their conscious ones, that actually predicted how happy the they'd remain over time. So they followed them for all this time to see how happy they were if they remained married, if they got divorced. It was interesting because they would flash a picture of their future spouse for one-third of a second. So your conscious mind is not going to see it, but your subconscious mind is. They'd put words like awesome or terrific or something like awful and terrible, and you would choose just what you felt that picture was. And it was their actual spouse. And those that put awful and terrible about their spouse, not even knowing about it, that was the biggest indicator whether they stayed married or not. The key factor here, study after study, our gut reaction, our intuition is very, very important. And that's the whole world of persuasion influence is knowing how to persuade people, how to get the right reactions, how to get the right gut feeling when you persuade and influence. Okay, wait, hang on. Hold the phone there, boss. So awful or terrible, they did this thing where they looked at the picture. This was the day of the wedding or this was many years later? No, they did it before the wedding. Wow. And again, they couldn't see it. It was just flashed real fast. They weren't quite sure what they saw, but their subconscious picked it up. And so they're getting married to somebody they just put down as awful (laughs) because they were getting that feeling. I don't know. I'm not sure. It seems right. They're really nice. Comes from a good family. We justify that. But there was that gut feeling was the biggest indicator on how happy they remained over time. That's pretty amazing that your intuition is that powerful. And how much that can transition into consumer sciences and why we buy. That's crazy. And that was one of my biggest ahas as I did study for the book on the laws of charisma. Looking at successful people, interviewing leaders, CEOs, is one thing that came up that surprised me the most out of everything I studied. I mean, some of it was made perfect sense, but one that came up was intuition. How, you know, CEOs don't have all the time to process a 2,000-page fact sheets and all the information they need ultimately they have to follow that intuition that instinct that gut feeling and that's what successful people do that's what charismatic people do that's what influential people do is listen to that inner voice that impulse that tells them what they should be doing they don't talk about it unless you bring it up because some people think it's that woo woo wait a minute what's going on but ultimately we're following our subconscious that's picking up on these little clues that a lot of times our conscious mind doesn't even realize is happening. My wife is a lot better at that than I am. And we've made some decisions over the years where she's had kind of a gut feeling of yay or nay. And, and she's been right every time. So she always tells me, just ask me what my gut tells me on it. And she has the track record where I am now unable to argue with her. <laughs> I can't present any evidence that say, here's why I shouldn't listen to you. Well, that's true across the board. Women are more 
instinctive. They listen to their heart more than men. And that's something that's very important. It's something men can learn to use. In fact, I'll ask people in the seminars, I'll say, okay, uh, that's the ladies. Ladies, have you ever been on a date and you didn't like him after five minutes, gave him all the signs that you wanted to go home, all the signs you didn't like him, and they still try to go in for a kiss? <laughs> right? That's the male. Woo, we're not, we see what we want to see. We hear what we want to see. A lot of times we don't stop to read the body language, to listen to that inner voice, to read the things that make the biggest difference and our ability to be successful and our ability to be influential. Oh, yeah, you definitely get more of, more into that in Laws of Charisma. Shameless plug available at a bookstore near you, right? Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Did you see what Amazon is going to try to do for their delivery system? Have you seen this stuff? Oh, it was something about a drone or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's totally bananas. They've got these unmanned drones that they're going to apparently put at their regional shipping centers, so when you order something... A robot will fly out of the sky and deliver it to your front porch. I'm not kidding you. It was that if you live in Yin Yang, Egypt, not in Los Angeles, I would think. I don't know how they're going to do it. Apparently, they've got to go through something with the FAA to handle airspace. Apparently, there's stuff going on in Congress and with the FAA right now about how to regulate unmanned aircraft airspace in the United States. So... The FAA has apparently got this on their radar, no pun intended, that <laughs> they need to regulate this, that unmanned commercial air traffic is going to be a very regular thing in the United States. I just can't imagine the liability and all the crazy stuff that's going to happen. I mean, these robots flying down and parking on your porch and dropping a package and taking off. Maybe I don't understand it, but wow, that's pretty crazy. I couldn't believe that I saw that. Now, is it unmanned? You mean they're not in the aircraft, but someone's... Driving them, or is it a computer that's driving these things? I don't know, but it's, yeah, it, it's yeah, unmanned, yeah. It's going to hit Little Rover, and there's going to be lawsuits all over the place. That's what I thought. Or, like, there's going to be a kid on the porch, and he's going to stick his finger up, and... Oh, Mommy uh, Airplane. Yep. Loses, loses hair, and uh, there's another lawsuit there. Yeah. I'd be curious. I'm sure they've got a room full of very smart people that have been thinking about a lot of this stuff, but Wow. It'll be very interesting to see how this unfolds. I mean, can you imagine you order something from Amazon and the drone's in the air 20 minutes later, you've got it shortly thereafter. I mean, if you could effectively figure out how to do this, you'd put grocery stores out of business. Well, everyone out of business. FedEx did it on the 24-hour thing. Now it's the one-hour thing. Yeah. Anywhere in the country in an hour. Or I guess it depends on regional distribution, but that's a game changer right there. Yeah, that that's a game changer, so... Heads up, everybody. Order Laws of Charisma. Maybe a, a drone will deliver it to you in the near future. <laughs> you buy it, you get a free drone. How about that? That's exactly right. You know who wouldn't handle the drone thing too well is uh, Homer Simpson. Don't, don't, don't! How's that for an awkward segue, everybody? <laughs> yeah, there's the sound right there. A little earlier than we've expected, but hey, when Homer talks, people listen. Yep, Homer never comes on the scene with very much grace. He's just going to kind of show when he shows because this one's pretty good and it really has to do with what you were talking about earlier Kurt you kind of I guess in a way getting into trust and these people that rated their spouses as terrible or whatever they probably ultimately didn't trust them and we're going to talk about that on the show here today is is how to build trust with your prospects or people you're in a relationship with and my wife as is well documented on the podcast is going to be having a baby before the end of the year here. So we're in crunch time. We're kind of getting into the ninth inning. So this is the time where she gets to go to the doctor every week. 
where they really want to monitor things very closely. And I won't get too much into the, the details, but in today's world of the OBGYN, there's a term where you can test positive for something called strep B. I don't exactly get it, but if you test positive for it, and, and I guess women either have it or they don't, they need to give you some you know, certain antibiotics while you're in labor just to make sure that everything goes well. Well, my wife is allergic to penicillin, and the doctor said, well, what about this antibiotic? I can't remember what he, like vicomycin, really heavy-duty antibiotic. And she says, well, they gave that to me once before, and I got red man's disease. I didn't know what red man's disease was, Kurt. Well, that's a new one for me, yeah. too. Is that, I don't know if that's even politically correct to say. <laughs> yeah, the Washington <laughs> Redmans. They're going to change their, their football team to that, but... I don't know what it is, you don't know what it is, but I'm thinking that a OBGYN who prescribes antibiotics on a regular basis should probably know what it is. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah. So, I'm not kidding you. This guy says, oh, I don't never heard of that. And he proceeds to Google it in front of my wife and read the Wikipedia entry on Red Man's disease and then turn to her and say, yeah, I'm not really concerned. <laughs> <laughs> you got a couple red flags here. They had to Google it, and they went to Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, it's really yeah. bad. Not inspiring a lot of trust or confidence. I mean, we were joking, like, at least go out in the hall and Google it. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> go, go say, yeah, I've consulted uh, my resources, and I'm not really concerned about it at this point. But don't Google it and read Wikipedia right in front of the patient. That's a definite blunder. At least use a medical site. That happened to my wife. Well, it's a little bit different where one of my kids was sick or something. The doctor came in and says, well, you know, we can just watch it. We can give him some medication. We can do this. We're like, hello, you're the expert. You're supposed to tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's pretty pretty bad stuff. So uh, doctors out there, you know, it's okay to not put on this facade that you know everything and in fact i think that our clients expect us to not know everything and you're going to get into that kurt but when you don't know everything there's a way to handle it and a way to not to and dr homer simpson here bungled this one so he's the blunder of the week all right give him the blunder let's uh go ahead and give his name address phone number mother's maiden name so people can con no we won't do that <laughs> and the address of our attorney um, here we go yeah right <laughs> So there you go, but we want to talk today about something I've found to be extremely valuable, and, and many authors have kind of talked about this, but you've really packaged trust into a way that makes it easy to understand and easy to remember and fun to learn. And this is how we can really build more trust. You call it the five C's of trust. These are the things that build up trust. you got to have all of these to have total trust. And I wanted to get into that with you today, Kurt. So I don't think we're going to have time to do all five of the C's, though. That's the facts of life. Yeah, I don't think so either. And it's a critical thing you need to persuade an influence. It doesn't matter if you have the best deal, if you have the best product or the best home or whatever it is. It, doesn't mean, it does not matter. If they don't trust you, it doesn't matter what law of persuasion you use. It It's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And that's what people don't realize. And here's the big eye-opener for most people is that just because you're a good, trustworthy person does not mean people trust you. Well, that's, that's counterintuitive. <laughs> it is. You're like, well, why shouldn't they trust me? I'm sure. 
Why should they trust me? I'm trustworthy. It doesn't matter. You could have a gesture or movement, that gut feeling. They might think you're lying. You might not have trust and not even know it. 20 years ago, hey, I trust you. Give me a reason not to. Now it's, I don't trust you. You better give me a reason to trust you. And trust is dropping dramatically. Part of it is we've been burned. We're more skeptical. We're in front of more media. Part of it is the media will do a special on air conditioning repair people, and one out of ten is crooked and dishonest. Right. Oh, no. They're all dishonest. They're all dishonest, and we get we get in that mindset where we're looking for things. And when we look for things, we'll find something, whether they're trustworthy or not, and that is a key factor with trust. So big picture, realize this is long-term trust and even short-term trust. The people we meet on the street or people we meet for the first time during a negotiation versus the people that we've worked with for a while. And that's why we've labeled this the five C's of trust. But before we get into that, Part of that is going to depend on your occupation. Some occupations are more trusted than others. Now, let me throw something out there. It doesn't matter whether this is fair or not. It's reality. Okay, That's yep. how we deal yep. with things here. <laughs> you chose the career. Good for you. I'm glad you did. It doesn't matter if this is fair. For example, I was speaking to a room of a 1,000 chiropractors. Now, are they more trusted or less trusted than doctors, do you think? Well, I think generally by the public, they're less trusted. Yeah. Now, again, not fair. It's reality. They get beat up by the medical community because they're not real doctors. Hey, I yeah. love chiropractors, but that's what the medical community does. Insurance doesn't cover them because that's not medical care, even though it is for a lot of people. Again, mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. Again, I'm not judging here. So here's my intro. A thousand chiropractors. We're talking about patient retention. I start out, how many chiropractors does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> <laughs> and it got really silent. I got really nervous because here's the answer. Well, it only takes one chiropractor, but it takes 10 visits. <laughs> now, there was no laughter in the room. <laughs> and I was really nervous. But I was, again, it's not true. It's not fair. But it's a perception of a lot of people, and you have to deal with that. Whether it's true or not, it does not matter. This is how people think. And so one of the things we do a lot is we go through different professions and see which ones are more trusted than others. In fact, what do you think are some of the most trusted professions out there? Hmm. Librarian? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, I know some of them. I'm going to say a pharmacist is quite trusted. Pharmacist is always up the top, firefighters, nurses are always more trusted than doctors. That's an interesting one. Huh. What's on the low part of the list? Oh, well, that's not hard. Here we go with politicians, attorneys, car salesmen. Am I getting yeah, these? Yeah, you're yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, everybody in government right now has an all-time low rating all the way from president to the to Congress. The one he didn't mention was telemarketers. They're always very low yeah, on yeah. the list. But let's back up and think, why are firefighters top of the list? Hmm. I would say because there's the perception that they're going to do their job no matter what. They're not trying to take money. They have a very simple task to do, and they're not trying to pull one over on anybody to do it. It's They show up. They put the fire out. They save you. They don't make a lot of money doing it. They're kind of perceived to be as somebody who's serving the public good because that's what's kind of in their heart. That's what they want to do. 
Yeah, they're there to put out the fire, they're there to save lives. They're not saying something like, you know, we have a special with your rescue today. We can take you down the ladder for an extra 20 bucks. <laughs> they're not doing that. Yeah, right. They're there to help us out. But here's the interesting thing. Police officers, which in a lot of ways are similar to firefighters, why aren't they very high? Well, because I call the firefighters when I need them or somebody calls, but I got pulled over the other day, and I don't recall calling for the police. I was doing just fine. Yeah, it's kind of a love-hate relationship. Yeah, it is. Over hate when we're getting robbed, love. Plus, there's been a lot of scandals and beatings and a few other things that we don't need to go into. It's kind of the, hey, police, don't call us. We'll call you if we need you. (laughs) And then even pharmacists. Why do you think they're high on the list? You can even think of some of the subconscious triggers that are involved. Well, we like to talk about Seinfeld. He loves to talk about pharmacists, but I think one thing is they're up higher than you. They're, yep, they're up on a platform wearing yeah. that white coat. Probably a degree is very prevalent. When you go order your prescription, it's, it's not like they a fast food restaurant where you see somebody slide a burger down the little chute behind the cashier. They go in the back. They're using scales. It's perceived to be a very scientific thing that they're doing, even though Seinfeld jokes about it, says, I'm taking bottles from this big bottle and putting them in the little one, or pills, you know, it tries to vitamize it, but there's definitely that perception that they're doing this very skilled thing, and I think, too, like, kind of what you said with the firefighter, the pharmacist is just filling an order, right, he's not, he, well, sometimes he does, but he's not necessarily trying to sell you something, does that make sense? Yeah, he's not saying, with your prescription day, we have a special on Ritalin, you know, there's not the the upsell factor there. Very, they're saving your life. They're telling you things you should should not do, and so there's a big trust factor there. And it's just again something about that white coat that creates a lot of trust. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it's interesting about white coats. That's a subconscious trigger. We see it. We think they're credible. There's some instant trust there. In fact, when I was going to school in Pennsylvania. I had a good friend there. I was going through medical school. We met and again became really good friends and. I had moved away, and he went through residency, became a doctor, opened up a small practice, and I came back to do a training, and we did lunch. And I said, look, you're a doctor now. You had all this school. Was it worth it? Did you like it? He says, I love it. I love it because of this, this, this. And then I asked him this question. I said, what is the one thing medical school did not prepare you for? And he thought about <laughs> it for a second. He put his hand on his chin. He says, really interesting that a stranger will walk into my office. They'll see my degree on the wall. I'll be wearing a white coat. I'll walk them to the back room and say, please take off your clothes. And they do. <laughs> okay. We've been taught our whole life not to strip in front of strangers. Oop. White coat. And all of a sudden, we're stripping. So we have a special on white coats this week. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, Way to go, Kurt. Now all the pervs that listen to the podcast are going to go buy white coats. I'm encouraging that. I'm just trying to make it an example <laughs> of subconscious triggers and trust. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen that on infomercials, by the way. Smelling white coat? Yeah. Well, it. if it's like a a borderline medical product, like it could be teeth whitening or skin care or something, a lot of times they'll have a quote-unquote expert on and he'll be wearing a white coat. I don't know if you've noticed that before, but it's pretty funny. We used to see that a lot with commercials where a doctor from TV wearing a white coat would recommend a product, and it was that, oh, doctor. Yeah. (laughs) Or just an actor wearing a white coat, but they play a doctor on TV. Yep, and you've got Judge Judy or Judge Alex, right? Those guys, they're they're not a judge, (laughs) but they're going to wear that black robe on TV and for the, the credibility factor. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting. So, Kurt, let's knock down two of the C's of trust here, and we can do the others on the next episode. But these are pretty important. I think when you look at the five C's as a whole, you realize how if you're missing any of them, that you're not going to be trustworthy. You have to have all of these. And I think we can kind of tie it all together on episode two of trust that we're going to do. But what are the first two C's of trust and how can people enhance their ability to really present these and project these onto their prospects? Well, the first one is what a lot of people think of as character. You know, that's you on the inside. That's how you treat somebody when you don't need something from them or how you act when nobody's around. It's the kind of the qualities that distinguish one person from another. So it just, again, makes up who you are. It's your honesty, your integrity, your sincerity, critical to your success. In fact, a study at UCLA showed that integrity was one of the most important things to succeed in business. Now, there's short-term gains for a lot of people, and we wonder what's going on. But long-term, they'll get called out, and a lot of people won't do business with them. But character's really important. You know, we've talked about willpower. That's part of it, self-discipline on previous podcasts. But it's important to realize how important is your honesty, your sincerity. In fact, a lot of people don't realize that the word sincere comes from the Latin word sinceris, which means without wax. Meaning that if someone was sculpting something, say a pillar, and they made a mistake, they'd fill it with wax. So it would look perfect, it would look good until they put it out in the sun, and the sun would reveal their deception. So when you have nothing to hide, when there's no deception, it's without wax. What you see is what you get. Is that, that's what they do in ancient Greece then? The sculptors would fill in the, the cracks and the crevices with, with wax to make it look like, hey, look how good of a job I did. Is that... Yeah, and it looked great till he got in the sun. That's why sincerest means without wax. There was no cover-up. There was no wax hiding any of the mistakes. Mm, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And yeah, character is made up in the small moments of our lives. We know that. It's who we are. We're not going to spend a lot of time with it. But, again, it's you on the inside. You want to come across as honest. You want to be honest. You want to have that integrity, especially for long-term influence. You need to be able to have character. I think the other four C's that we're going to talk about, oftentimes if they're all in line, then you would perceive somebody to have character. It's kind of off topic, Kurt, but I was talking to a client before we started recording, and he's a client who had purchased some investment properties from me in Missouri. And the property manager has some dirt on them online. If you Google the property manager, there are a few complaints from past tenants of this property manager, and we were kind of talking about how well, is this, are they a really good property manager or what's this going to do to tenants? And because that track record was there in the past, it's online, they can't get rid of it. It calls character, it calls a few things into question that are a constant uphill battle for this property manager because there's a perception that there may not be character. Now, I pointed out to my client that, hey, this property manager could be very good. Imagine if you evict a tenant or you hold on to their security deposit because they trashed the place. A lot of times, the only thing a tenant could do in this day and age is go online and complain about you. So you could be a perfectly good landlord with tons of character, but because the public perception has not been correctly managed, people aren't going to think that. And I think you'll get into how that's dealt with in the five C's, correct? Exactly. That's important with everybody. You have to look at the long-term history. You have to 
ask yourself, okay, is that a momentary lapse in character or is that a character flaw and I need to run? Yeah. And yeah. Or is it something that's made up by a competitor? We know that happens on the internet all the time where the competitor has people just post negative things about their competitor and, you know, it's not the right thing to do and it hurts the other person's character with the person who has no character. <laughs> yep. And yep. that is a challenge. In fact, Newsweek did some studies and found that many workers feel that lying and cheating is now acceptable. We see this digression, I guess, in character and acceptance of, of negative things. But bottom line, character is knowing what is right, desiring to do right, and then doing what is right. Yeah. And that is character. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So what's our second C? The second C, I don't know if we need a drum roll, but it is competence. Now, that could be your knowledge, your intelligence, your ability. Basically, are you the expert? When you're the expert, when you are competent, there's very little persuasion resistance. And that's important for people to understand. So the question to you, Steve, is you think competence is real or perceived? Well, I think uh, maybe it's a trick question. I think it's real. I mean, you're either competent or you're not. Now, people could perceive it. I think they could perceive somebody as competent who is grossly incompetent, if that makes any sense. It makes sense, and it's a little of both. There's some. Yeah. There's the real part, and there's the perception part. You could be the smartest person in the world, but if people don't perceive that, it doesn't matter. We see this with college professors who have very messy offices. That decreases their competence. But you have to have all the C's, character versus competence. For example, if your neighbor, good person, great character, salt of the earth, got on the Internet and found that he could make an airplane out of beer cans. <laughs> or soda cans. Yeah. And they were excited and they were building it and they got the engine and they were doing it. They're not an engineer. They're just doing it for fun in the garage. But since you are their best friend, their neighbor, they want you to go on the maiden flight. So here's a person with a lot of character and you're thinking what? Yeah, he's got all the character in the world, but he has no idea what he's doing. Are you going on the flight? I certainly am not. <laughs> okay. Because competence becomes an issue. You can go first and let me know how it turns exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people don't realize. The competence is critical. You have to become an expert. You have to know more than 99% of the population about what you do, your expertise, and that is critical. And that comes down to your personal development program. Harvard study shows that those who are learning and growing every day, they're more optimistic about life. They're more enthusiastic about where they're going, what they're going to accomplish. But those who do not learn and grow every day become very negative, pessimistic, doubtful about themselves and their future. So not only is it a great motivator, but every challenge or obstacle you're going to face in life, someone's already faced that challenge or obstacle and has written a book about it Mm -hmm. or has a seminar or has a podcast, right? That's critical. That's what successful people do is they have a personal development program. Contrary to popular belief, what you don't know will hurt you. Mm -hmm. Most homes worth over a million dollars have a library. We can go on and on and on. Our audience is on the podcast. They're learning and growing. They already know the value of Mm -hmm. this. Yeah, yeah. This is for the people around you. You're always learning. You're always growing. You've heard the example of a brain surgeon that hasn't learned a new thing in 20 years. That would be problematic (laughs) as far as their competence and their expertise is concerned. But it's important. Success expert Brian Tracy says if you can get yourself to read 30 minutes a day in your field, you'll double your income every year. And that is true. Learn and grow. Get it motivates you. It's exciting. It comes across in your demeanor and you're learning new skills. Now you probably can figure it out on your own. You're smart enough to do that. But why take two years to figure it out on your own? All that lost income when you can get the book, go to the seminar, listen to the podcast, listen to the audios, whatever it is, find a coach, find a mentor that will change your life forever. 
Agreed. Agreed. Well, those are those are helpful. I think we've gone about as long as we can today, though. So first two C's of trust, character, and competence. We're going to lay out the next three next week for you, so you can complete the puzzle here, and it'll continually be unveiled to you that, yeah, if you don't have one of these, it puts all the others in jeopardy. But there are concrete things, like Kurt said today, that you can do. Like I said, enhance that real and perceived competence or character that you have. So there you have it. Now, if you're if you're just a scumbag at heart, I don't know that we can help you on the character. Uh, <laughs> Not much we can do there, but I just want to point out that personal development program, your personal development program is critical. When I see people that are depressed or in a slump and just not getting there, they're not listening to the audios in their car. They're not reading the books. They're not mentoring. And, and here's the secret that a lot of people who aren't successful don't understand. In life, you always are getting mentored and you're always mentoring others. You have your expertise. So you should always be mentoring others with your expertise, and you should always be getting mentored in your areas of weakness. That is a sign of success. That is a sign of greatness. Yeah, that's true, but you're always getting mentored whether you like it or not. Is this it, is true. Is it primetime television with uh, the murders and the all the madness that's happening, or are you taking time out of your day to put good things into your head that are going to make you optimistic and learn and grow? Uh, you're just going to be living in a frightened shell if that's the kind of mentorship so it's it's you're going to get mentored whether you like it or not so you might as well choose what it is exactly turn off the news and put something good in there that's right that's right and the news it just makes me mad anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous well good stuff today kurt i'm glad that we're we're back on the horse after thanksgiving here we both hope to be several pounds lighter next time we are a podcast for all of you listeners and <laughs> For those of you that have had the same issue we've had, we hope you are also several pounds lighter <laughs> next week. Any parting words before we sign off, Kurt? Just to reiterate, just because you're a trustworthy person does not mean people trust you. You have to earn it. You have to have them feel it, just like we talked about those gut reactions. And we'll fill in the rest of the blanks next podcast. You got it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. See you next week. See you next week.